Thanks, Jeff. Um, let's welcome Mahi. as he's first time bringing the word to us at Lifehouse today. Thank you, everyone. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be up here. And I really pray that the word I share brings you encouragement and quicken our hearts to do God's will. Amen. I just sense uh, a great overflow in this room, even as uh, Peter and Elise were standing here. And I think he was overwhelmed in the right way because when Holy Spirit speaks and he anoints you with the word, he just knows the right words to be spoken. And so we are blessed and we release them into a new place. You have a new place to go. It's a beautiful place called Sudbury. They'll give us our address. You can go and park ourselves there. We can have a good, good time. Am I right on your behalf, guys? <laughs> Uh, so I have uh, something to share. I have good news to share. And with my timer here, the good news is that I'll be short even in 15 minutes too. <clears throat> I would like to start with a small incident which I was reminded um, when I was just preparing for the word. And it is about my son, Rehan, who's now 16 years old. I took his permission to share this because he's 16 years old. But he, when he was very, very young, very small, very small, we used to tell him bedtime stories. We'd tell him about Jesus, tell him about God, about his love. Before we switch off the light, we'd always tell him, don't worry, everything is fine, God is watching, and you'll be great. Like, so we just assure him with that. It went on and on and on, and he turned about three or four, and he got his booster seat in the car, right? That's a freedom in itself. So he started to enjoy that freedom, and as he would sit in the car, in the rearview mirror, I would just look at him that he has buckled himself. We would buckle him, but he had found his way to just put his little finger and then open it. That's the newfound freedom he had. And so every time I would just drive out from the, pull out from the driveway, I would quickly say, Rehan, have you buckled up? And he'd say, yes, dad, yes, dad, yes, dad, yes, dad. And over a period of time, he didn't know I was looking him from the rearview mirror, but over a period of time, I knew that he was like giving me an answer before he was doing it, right? So I was being more careful as a father. But one time I just really wanted to get him to the, tell me the truth. So I, even as I'm pulling out the car, I said, Rehan, are you buckled up? He says, yes, dad. And he was like, ting, out. And I said, Rehan, are you buckled up? And he says, yes, dad. And I had to bring in some corrections. So I said, Rehan, are you buckled up? God is watching you. And he says, huh? I thought God isn't home. <laughs> That was his understanding because we tucked him in the bed and God was watching him. So God could not be in the car. He was free to do that. <laughs> and I found this really interesting because we really laughed. We actually parked the car. We chuckled. We laughed. We just laughed ourselves out. And poor guy, he was looking at our faces like, what are you laughing at? But to tell you the truth, eight years, like four years down the line, when he was turned eight, he actually gave his life to Jesus. He got baptized and he... He reconciled with the eternal truth of knowing that Christ is the head and he is belonging to God. And as a father, I just believe that when I announce this, not that I have anything which I know he will go through his life would be as smooth and not, not without challenges, but I know that he is now subjected to an eternal truth, that Christ is the head of his heart and that he has surrendered that part of it. And that's a great place to be in. Amen? Amen. Amen. I would like you to... Um, Spend this time just with me to, um, you know, revisit this eternal truth, which is from the Word of God. Because in our journey through this walk of our life, the enemy comes to deceive and he does steal and sometimes divert us from the real truth. 
And even we take our decisions to make our own journey and do not live in the fullness of what God has called us into. It's, it, is, it is a journey, but I really believe it's an eternal truth which we have to understand with. Turn to me with the scriptures, which is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And it might be on your screen up there. And it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image God, he created them. Male and female, he created. This is a simple opening truth for all believers when we even our children we are known we are knowing about this truth and there comes a lie from the satan which is like a convenient truth or as i i would like to present it as a twisted truth if you read through chapter 3 verses 2 and 4 the woman said to the serpent we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent replied. So what did God tell the Eve? That you will die. And immediately the twisted truth the enemy brought in was, you will not certainly die. Go for it. So it is not just the place where he kind of brings in a big change. He just replaces something which you have already understood. He just replaces that with a simple truth. But I am here to proclaim that the eternal truth prevailed because God did make each one of us in his image. And that remains, right? It never changed. So we have that place to reconcile ourselves to know that the eternal truth prevails over any lie which the enemy brings over you. Right? You are the body of Christ. You are the image of God. And in 2 Corinthians it says, I will be your father and you will be my son and daughter. Is it not a great assurance? And as even we speak about the scriptures, which is right from the New Testament to the Old Testament to the New Testament, everything speaks of what God has spoken. As Randy said, if God has spoken, it is true and amen. Nothing can be taken it away. Fast forward a few generations and let's talk about Moses, the great, great man of God. He wrote the five, first five books, the Pentateuchs, the God, the Ten Commandments, and brought the Israelites out of the journey of slavery. But what is the perceived truth there if you look back his past? Not, an inconvenience, not a convenience there. How can a man born in slavery, who was adopted by the persecutor himself, who became a killer and he ran away, but he had a God encounter with a burning bush and he was not the same evermore? So there is a perceived truth, even the generation might have something which we feed into and saying that those things are, I am from my father, I am from my generation, I am born in these circumstances, I have limitations on that. But when God anoints his people, who are each one of you here, there is no turning back, there is not a plan which will not go what God has ordained in your life. You need to be speaking that in your life, you need to just stand in that gap and say, God, I receive it, what you have spoken in my life. That cannot be taken. So Moses, right from the slavery, goes to the persecutor's house and he becomes the man of God who takes away his people from the slavery. Isn't that amazing? I like these two examples just to bring how God is giving us the whole direction of our life to remind us that he is the eternal truth and nothing can take us away from him. I would like you to actually, I was 
when we were worshiping and I came up to Thomas and I said, I just feel that we are actually going to be in a worship mode, not really in a preach mode. And I would actually ask um, Thomas, if he's still around, um, to just join me up here. Because what I'm going to share with you in the last few scriptures, which is an encouragement, is about Jesus Christ. And that's the season and the reason what we are talking about. And there is a beautiful uh, reference I got, and I want to share it from what Jesus' interesting fact is. The Old Testament is the part of Bible written before Jesus was born. Its writings were completed in 450 BC, the Old Testament, written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was born. It contains 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life, death, and resurrection. 300 prophecies before he was born. Uh, mathematically speaking, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering. And a mathematician has put a formula for anal analytical minds here. And it says, one person fulfilling eight prophecies is one chance into 10 to the power of 17 zeros. In one million, you have six zeros. So that's to the power of three million zeros. That's one for a chance for eight prophecies to be fulfilled by a man. One person fulfilling 48 prophecies, one into 10 to the power of 157. And the author here just leaves it beautifully. He says, one person fulfilling 300 prophecies, let's leave it to Jesus. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It is magnificent the way the prophecies came to fulfill what Jesus was going to be with. And he did not have anything to add to, and he did not have anything to subtract to. Jesus was enough. And he came in to bring all of us in that place of fulfillment. And as we speak of the testimonies, as we speak about our lives, as we speak about our uh, journey in this place, that's the only place we can be in. We can be only in a place of fullness of God. We can be in the place to know Christ is enough. We were spending time in the morning for prayers, and the word was released saying that Emmanuel, God, is with us. And the Bible also says, when you receive Christ, he comes and indwells in us. Christ with us, Christ in us. Both ways. The whole truth about Jesus was there out there, but enemy had to take a pot shot, right? And he goes on in Matthew 4, and he goes on and tempts Jesus, as you know that whole scripture. And what does he say? If you are the Son of God, let these stones turn to bread. And you know what? It was actually an aggravated truth. It was a truth. He didn't say anything wrong by saying that you are the Son of God. Did he? But he just wanted to entice that. But if you know the truth and you know your time and the position when you need to speak the truth, you will hold your ground. And Jesus did exactly the same. He used the scripture and he says, get behind the Satan. That you are nobody. For man shall not live by the bread alone. He uses the scripture. Jesus used the scripture to even um, rebuke the enemy. So the enemy has his pot shots. And he did, not try, he did try with that. But Jesus said it all once and for all. So the eternal truth here today I want to just emphasize. Is that Christ is enough for each one of us. Christ is enough for each one of us in all the circumstances of our life. 
He is not creating anything more that you need to go through. He worked for the finished works of the cross. And he died and he rose up again. And that's the place we are. The Bible says that we are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. You are seated here, but you are seated in the heavenlies. Isn't that an amazing truth? That's the truth we live in. That's not a place which is subjected to God's authority in Jesus Christ. And I love that place. And I love the journey we go through with all the questions which we have. But I think that's a good reference point. Wherever we are, Christ is enough. If you have the truth which is making you believe, I'm not saying that's a lie. If you are struggling with something, that's the truth. But that truth is subjected to the eternal truth that you are free in Christ. You are praying for your family. You are praying for your brother. You are praying for your children who are not reconciled with God. Is that an inconvenient truth? I would say yes. Would it mean that you would give up on them? No. But you know, if you ever feel that way, say that I subject to the eternal truth of knowing that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for my child to take him through his life. Jesus is enough for the young man in my life when Rehan was born and is being 16 years old. And I believe he'll go through his journey and that Christ is enough because he had made that decision. If you have not forgiven someone, if you believe somebody owes you an apology, I do not believe that you need to go through that place. You can surrender your thoughts to Jesus. And you can say, Jesus Christ, you are enough to bring reconciliation in my relationship. And that's the place we are in right now to celebrate. So let's not just hold up to knowing that Jesus is born. But let's go through the whole process that when he died, he finished everything which we will ever require to be successful in this life in Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 it says so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with the thankfulness let this season remind ourselves that as birth of Jesus is celebrated, that we also celebrate his victory. We celebrate his death. We celebrate his resurrection, his power, dominion, and his glory, which is to come. I just want to read Colossians chapter 2, 9, 9 and 10. It says that for Christ is, Christ is the fullness of all the deity, and in Christ that you have been brought to the fullness when we have Jesus we have everything Jesus is our wisdom and our righteousness our sanctification our redemption when you need wisdom Christ is our wisdom I would like to just pray and I would like to conclude by saying in this, in this place right now you did not come in just to socialize but you came in to be reconciled back to God. You came in here with an expectation to be transformed by the word of God because we would not speak anything out of our mind but to tell you the truth, which is the eternal truth, saying that Christ is enough. And I want to encourage you and I want to end up with a prayer. And you can close your eyes. 
eingeladen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For you are enough for us. Jesus Christ, I stand here to acknowledge and to declare that the eternal truth over my brothers and sisters and our families and our jobs and in our lives that Christ is enough. Father, I pray that there is a replacement today of anything which is holding us back. I want to trade it off right now. In Jesus' name, I break the bondages which hold us back to the lies. A twisted truth or an aggressive truth or any kind of an inconvenience which has captivated our heart and we believe that's where we are going to be stuck in. And I break it in the name of Jesus right now that the eternal truth of Christ's sufficiency would fulfill that place, Lord. Fill it up. I pray for provision, Father. I pray for the places which shows emptiness, Father. It might be an inconvenient truth of not paid bills, Father. It might be an inconvenient truth of the job I want to change or want to get into a new job, Father. It could be an inconvenient truth of knowing that I need a life partner to be coming up in this year. But those are just the way that the enemy wants to keep you away. But when you say Christ is enough, you are enough indeed. And the word of God says that you have been set free. And I pray that this time of the year, as we celebrate, that our hearts are just overwhelmed, are just filled with your power, Lord Jesus. I pray that as we leave this place, we touch each other and we bless each other, that our hands are not just made to say things that we do not have. It's the hands which are anointed to bless each other. Your hands are blessed. And I want you to lift up your hands as a tool of power. I want you to lift your hands to receive the anointing of God. And I want you to have the authority as, as in the morning Ashish said, that we are the kings and priests and the queens in this room, Father. We have dominion which was given, which we received through inheritance of Jesus Christ. And Christ is enough and that's why I am enough. And I pray that your hands would be raised and would be put back to your children, towards your families, towards your resources, towards the places which need to be reconciled. And that's not the place where you're going to be lacking because Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for each one of us in this room and beyond this room, Lord. Let this overflow take us with this place, Lord. And I pray that when we leave this place and when we go back to our homes, when we meet our families and friends, that we know that the fullness of God flows through us, Lord. That the living waters flow through our bellies, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I just pray that as a family, as a community, as a church, we know that we are here to influence the society. That whoever walks in this place is in a safe place, Father. That we are looking after each other, Father. That we are growing and we are expanding your kingdom, Father. I pray for unwanted, unsaid needs in this room and people whom we know need to be taken care of, Father. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome to be empowering each one of us as we leave this place. And I pray this Christmas, time would be the most effective time. Right from knowing that Jesus was born, but right now, he's seated in the heavenlies, interceding for each one of us. What a glorious victory. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, Thomas. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mahit. He's really great. Guys, if you feel like you need some more prayer or you want to do some more praying, we have a really great ministry team. They would love to pray for you and with you. So please go and speak to them after the service. Um, I have one more announcement to make as well. Next week, very important, is our Christmas celebration service. So we're going to be having a bring and share. Um, I think the kids are going to do something. Um, it's going to be really great, really Christmassy. Wear your Christmas hat, uh, your reindeer antlers or whatever. And um, come with something to share for the bring and share. We're going to stay and we're going to have a meal together. Everyone's going to bring something delicious. Everyone's going to eat something delicious. So uh, please um, make it your best contribution to a bring and share ever. Because it's going to be so great. I'm really excited. I'm going to cook something. I'm going to come hungry. And... Uh, that's great. That's the end of the service. Please don't forget to get your kids. Um, don't rush away. There's tea and snacks at the back. Make a new friend. Get some prayer.